Okay, so I have a confession to make. I'm a judgmental person. You might not think it to look at me. Then again, maybe you would, if you're judgmental like me. But I don't often take the time or energy to put myself in someone else's shoes. I kind of thought it would be easier once I became a Christian, but it's not. It actually got harder. But somewhere along the way, I got the idea that it was my job to discern others' faults so that I could steer them on the right path. Wait a minute, is that what the Bible says? You see, at the end of the day, I'm really just a selfish person. My thoughts and my actions, they're usually based on my own little world and how I perceive it. It's easier just to look at the little clues about people, feed them into my own little formula, and spit out my analysis of who I think they are and how right or wrong their behavior is. The real problem is that I get so fixated on people's actions, I completely miss out on their heart. I don't put myself in their shoes at all. I want them to wear mine. When I stop to look at the core of someone's behavior, I realize they're not so different from me. They have the same struggles that I do, the same desire to connect to something deeper than this physical world around us. They just have a unique expression of what it means to be human. That is the frustrating beauty of God's children, so unique yet so alike. There was one person who really understood this whole idea of putting yourself in someone else's shoes. He could look past the stench of a common fisherman and see the rock that the church would be built on. He watched as a prostitute poured perfume on his feet, and he rebuked the religious elites who whispered, wasteful. He looked at a woman caught in the very act of adultery and defended her by challenging the stone throwers to look at their own hearts instead. His name is Jesus and his example stands before us. So I have to ask myself, whose shoes am I being asked to walk in today? Well, I think we should walk in each other's shoes a little bit more. What do you think? I think today is a day and time that we see the need for that. Um, if you're here, you can stand with me, please. Open your Bibles to the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians, chapter 5. This is the, our memory verse for this series is Galatians, chapter 5. And we are going to be in verse 22. Galatians, chapter 5, verse 22. For those of you joining us online, welcome. I'm glad that you are with us today. And if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn there as well. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. When you got it, say so. so. All right. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. 
And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this day, this privilege that we have to gather, to worship you, to Come before your presence, my God. We pray that you would speak to our hearts and that you would glorify your name in these next few moments that we are together. May those in this room, those that are hearing us online, may their faith be built in you. May our focus be on you today and may you remove all distractions of mind and heart. And we pray this all in Jesus' good name. And everyone said, amen. amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. And so I don't know about you, but this has been uh, a tough, tough week looking at the news, looking at things that are going on. I mean, we thought things were bad when we were in quarantine and we were, you know, experiencing this whole separation of us uh, being, you know, with the coronavirus and the fears that are associated with that. And then this week on Monday, I think we probably saw one of the greatest atrocities that I've ever seen in my entire life. Something that I don't even understand, something that I cannot fully comprehend. And so I'm not going to jump into that right now because I want to I want to get past my first two points and, and then we're going to pray. But my third point is going to be the one where I'm going to deal with this a little bit more. But what I want, but the reason why I, I, I struggled this week so much is because part of me just wanted to throw away the series that we're in, right, and just jump into the, the, the present day issue of what is going on. But see, I realized something. Here's two things. Number one, Samaritan's Purse called for today to be the, a day of prayer for the body of Christ. And they called for this day of prayer before Monday. They didn't, this wasn't reactive. You know why? Because God knew what was going to happen on Monday. God already knew what was going to occur, and he knew the body of Christ needed to come together. You know what today is? Today is Pentecost Sunday. Today is the day that the church celebrates the birth of the church. Today is the day that if we look in our Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 2, we are reminded that there was a suddenly moment where God's spirit invaded a room, invaded a city, and turned the world upside down. And despite the fact that we are messed up and we are going through a lot, guess what? That same resurrection power that we sang about today is still moving, is still active, and is still operating. That resurrected Savior is still the hope that he was 2,000 years ago when the upper room church was there crying out to God and God's spirit. Can I tell you something? We need a move of the spirit of God. Our nation is in desperate need of a move of the spirit of God. Where we are, it's, 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 a, it's a desperate time. But the second thing that I realize is this. You know what? You, you know what? And I'll say this and I'll repeat it again. If the police officer would have been kind, Mr. Floyd would still be alive. So why does kindness matter? Let me say it again. If, Mr. F if the police officer would have simply been kind, Mr. Floyd would be alive today. So why does kindness matter? Because lives matter. Black lives matter, right? White lives matter. Lives matter, do they not? Yes. And so when we are unkind to one another, this creates a problem. 
And it can come to the place that we saw with this terrible situation, this atrocity. And so we have to consider why kindness matters. Why? Because here's what the Bible says. The New Testament commands believers to put on kindness. That's what the New Testament says. Go to the book of Colossians. You don't have to do it now. Go to the book of Colossians. The apostle Paul tells the church of Colossae, put on kindness. In other words, put it on as something every day. The way you put on the armor of God. Put kindness on. This is, some, this is not a holy suggestion. This is a command from God. Put kindness on. Be kind one to another. Is what the scriptures teach us. And we'll see it in the book of Ephesians in a moment. And here the fruit of the spirit is depicted. And part of the fruit. And when you break down the fruit of the spirit, you have love, joy, and peace. And, and, and the way that a lot of writers and commentators break it down is the love, joy, and peace. Those are God word attributes, right? And then the long suffering, the kindness, and the good word, goodness, those are outward. Those are, those are other word attributes. And then the last three are, are, are attributes that are toward ourselves. But here's what we have here. It's kindness is how we're supposed to deal with one another. Kindness is a virtue, now listen to this, that should mark our interactions with one another, with those who are enemies of the cross, or even those who have wronged us. Let me say that again for some of you need to hear that. Kindness is a virtue that should march, that should mark our interactions with one another, with those who are the enemies of the cross, and even with those who have wronged us. We don't want to hear that, do we? See, we, see, see, this situation that, we're, that, that we talked about with Mr. Floyd, I mean, that's a terrible situation. But, but let's just back up for a moment. Let's just think about our interactions one with another. I had to repent this morning. I had to repent last night. I repented like 95 times because as I'm preparing this message on kindness, you know, I had, I had, a, I had a moment of very, of a very foul unkindness toward my wife. And this morning I confessed it to her right before I came here. I was like, babe, I just want to confess again because I know I had to preach this message. Glory to God. And as I'm meditating in my holy room and I'm there in the presence of the Lord, my amazing wife walks in to just give me a kiss. And I'm like, what do you want? I didn't say it like that. I wasn't even that nice. I was like, yes. And I made that face. Y'all know that face. That, you know, <laughs> some of you know that face. That face, why are you bothering me? Well, I'm in the middle of something. And, you know, you can't backtrack in that moment, right? It's like, you, it, it's, anyway, I was unkind. And so, so, so I, I know it's deep. I, I, know, I know, listen, online, I, I know you're feeling the weight of what's going on in this nation. And I want you to feel the weight of that. We need to feel the weight of that. But I don't want you to miss the small stuff. I don't want you to miss being kind to your husband, being kind to your wife, being kind to your children. Come on, somebody, being kind to your dog. Hello. Huh. We got a new puppy, so I got to be kind to him, right? Like, that's what I'm reminded of, right? Huh. Listen. We have to be kind. This is something that should mark our interactions one with another. As believers, we who have experienced God's kindness toward us in salvation, check this out now. Because we've experienced that, we should seek to demonstrate this kindness toward others. Because God's kindness toward us has been manifested, we should say, man, I want to be kind to other people because God, God has been kind to me and I didn't deserve it. If there's anyone who didn't deserve kindness, it was me. If there's anyone who God could have been harsh toward, it was me. I realize that. God doesn't owe me anything. He doesn't owe you anything. He doesn't owe anyone anything. And yet, because of his kindness, you and I stand here today, but that's my second point anyway. Here's the thing. Kindness, I want you to think about this this morning. Kindness is one of the clearest exhibitions of God's grace. 
Kindness is one of the clearest exhibitions of God's grace. When we are kind one to another, when we are kind to each other, when we, are, when we manifest kindness to others, we are exhibiting the grace of God. We are showing forth the grace of God. It's clear when you're kind. Listen, when you are kind to someone, and especially someone who doesn't deserve it, when you, and, and you know what? Sometimes they don't even notice it, but other people be like, man, why are you, why are you nice to that person? Huh. Why are you being kind to them? They're harsh, they're rude. They're... But when you do that, they're seeing an attribute of God. They're seeing a picture of who God is. And so the first thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, understanding kindness, understanding kindness. enables its exercise. Understanding kindness enables its exercise. Listen, I'm going to run through points one and two because I want to spend some time in point three, but, but, but I don't want to just pass them by. So point number one is we have to understand kindness. If we don't understand kindness, we will never exhibit kindness. We will never exercise kindness. So what is kindness? Let me just tell you a couple of things kindness is not. Kindness is, is it, it isn't simply being nice. That isn't just it. It isn't just being nice, right? Kindness isn't just sentimentality, right? That isn't kindness. What I want you to realize is that it is a disposition that you have toward other people and the way that you deal with them because of what? Because God has connected you to himself and by salvation. And so what happens is you have this relationship with God and God supernaturally changes your disposition toward other people. He makes you see people differently. Listen to me. If you don't see people differently after you come to Jesus, there's a problem. Let me say it like this. If you don't see people differently after you pray and after you seek the Lord, if you don't see people differently, hey, listen, listen now. If you don't see people differently, I got a question. Were you really in God's presence? I've got a question. Were you really there in the presence of God? Because what I know is this. The reason why I had to repent before my wife, the reason why I felt so terrible is because when I came into the presence of God, and it didn't take really long, hello, I was just meditating on what I was going to preach. I was just thinking on him. I was just going through that. And so it took moments and I turned around. And I was like, man, babe, I'm so sorry. And I couldn't get over it in this morning, babe. I'm, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have been unkind because what? It changes our hearts when we're in the presence of God. So defining kindness, what does kindness mean? So what is kindness exactly? And so the Greek word, it actually refers to benignity. And, and I think about the word benignity. I think about like a benign tumor, right? And when, when I thought, well, I was, I was trying to, like, how could I explain this word benignity, right? And just get up here and say, you know, it means compassion. It means being gracious, whatever it means, right? But here's what I realized. What I thought about was, man, it's, 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 it, doesn't do any, it doesn't want to hurt you, right? A benign tumor is not going to hurt you in that sense, right? And so thinking about that in our dealing with one another, man, we should not want to harm anyone, Amen. We shouldn't want to hurt anyone. We should, on, on the opposite, see, because it's not just being benign, because a tumor may not do anything for you, you get in the way, obstruct some stuff, you might have to get it cut out, but it's not going to leave you with some lasting issues, right? But here's the thing. Being a person of kindness means you go beyond just not wanting to hurt people, but wanting to help people. You hear me? It goes beyond not, not, not wanting to do damage to people, but wanting to help people, wanting to build people up, wanting to help people in their life, in their situations that they're going through. Here's what I love about this definition. It should pervade and penetrate the whole nature. Listen to this. Mellowing in it all that is harsh and austere. <sighs> I love that. Kindness is supposed to pervade and penetrate the whole nature. Church, this is a supernatural thing. 
This isn't something you learn in counseling. This isn't something that some psycho babble tells you to do, and all of a sudden you're a kind, great. No, 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 no. This is something, it is a fruit of the Spirit. It's not something that you just learn. I said this in one of the first weeks. You don't just build these fruit. These aren't like working out muscles. No. This is something that has to be developed by the Spirit of God. It is supposed to penetrate and pervade the entire nature, mellowing in it all that is harsh and austere. Listen to that. All that is harsh with me. Man, I'm like, God, you got to deal with me. Come on now. There's some harsh areas in me. There's, there, there's some I don't care areas in me. Come on now. There's some it ain't my business. I, it doesn't matter to me. There's some of that in me. There's some of that. Why are you bothering me? I already told you all that, right? I repented. I don't know how many times I'm going to repent of this, but hello. There's some stuff that is in me, and I guess maybe just me alone, right? None of y'all. Then y'all online. All y'all online. Bishop, I'm going to turn this off. I don't need this. Okay, well, hey, if you don't need it, turn it off. Glory to God. If you're just super kind, you walking around, you just have no harshness, you have no nastiness inside of you, hey, go on ahead. You just go do something else for the rest of your day. But for the rest of us, glory to God, y'all are stuck. You can't leave. We dismissed by rows. No rows are dismissed yet. <laughs> but the reality of what we are dealing with is that we have to allow God to do something supernatural in our hearts. See, because of what Christ has done for us, we should be motivated to extend the same grace toward others. This is how kindness manifests. Understand. You know the problem is with some of us? We don't understand what Jesus did for us. Or, or we have forgotten what Jesus did for us. We don't understand it or we have forgotten one of the two. And so, you know, some people, oh, they don't want to hear themselves be called as sinners. Listen, we are sinners. We are by nature. We are sinners. We are sinful. And even after, read your Bible. Come on, somebody. Read the scriptures. Paul is reminding church folk all the time about their sinfulness. He is consistently confronting them. He's consistently letting them know where they need to turn from sin. He is doing what is called developing a biblical worldview in the life of those who call the name of Christ. You know why? Because when you come to Jesus, you need to look like Jesus. Red, yellow, black, and white, doesn't matter. You need to look like Jesus. You need to see others through the eyes of Christ. You need to see each other through the eyes of our great Savior. See, kindness is a care and concern for others that manifests in the way that we treat them. And listen to this, in a world that is permeated by sin, hear me when I say this, it is easy to become callous toward others and live by the rule. That ain't my business. It doesn't matter to me. It's easy to do that in this world that is so filled with sin. You just want to stay in your little cocoon, your little box. Everything is okay right there. But hold on a second. We're supposed to care about other people. We're supposed to be concerned about other people. The second thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say kindness, kindness. Has, the has the ability to change people. Change. Kindness has the ability to change people. Turn back to the book of Romans chapter 2. You guys know this text. I'm going to throw a little twist on it today because the word that you and I are used to is the word goodness. It's the goodness of God that turns us to repentance. But here's what I want you to realize. In the Greek, it is not the word goodness. It's the same word for kindness that is the fruit of the Spirit. And so really it could say the kindness of our Lord is what turns us. So here we are, um, Romans chapter 2, look at verses 1 through 4. This is what the Apostle Paul writes. 
He says, therefore, you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge. For in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. That's what our video was about, was it not? It was about you judging. It's not walking in other people's shoes. It's not looking at what someone else is going through. It's not thinking about what's happening in their lives. It's, it's, that, that's where we get stuck at, right? We get stuck at wherever we are. We're not looking at where other people are at. That's supposed to be judging like that, right? It goes on to say, but we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. And do you think this, O oh man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same that you will escape the judgment of God? Verse 4, or do you despise the riches of his goodness? Right there, that would be kindness forbearance, long-suffering, we talked about that last week, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance. You know what Paul is saying here? Paul is saying, look, y'all deserve death. You know what I'm saying here? Y'all deserve death. It hasn't changed 2,000 years later. We all deserve death. Listen, just pause for a moment. I know you're holy today. It's Sunday morning. Glory to God. I know you feel like you're walking on clouds. You just worship. You were talking about the resurrection. Sin was great, but God is greater. All that. you like, ah, oh, ready to run. But I want you to pause for a moment. I want you to think about yourself. Man, you know that you don't deserve half the stuff you have. You know, some of you know you should be like in jail. You might, maybe you should be diseased. Some of you might even be dead if it wasn't for the kindness of God. If it wasn't for his mercy toward you. Listen, we all should have been stoned because guess what? We were all caught in the act. Come on now. Every one of us should have been. Listen, our life should be gone. But because of his kindness, we're here today. Because of his kindness, we're able to tune in today and watch and worship. Because of his kindness, we are living, not dead. Because of his kindness, we are hopeful, not hopeless. Because of his kindness, we have life and we're not lifeless. His kindness toward us is what turns us to repentance. See, think about that. I mean, how, what, what, where, where should you be? Here's the deal. When believers exhibit this kind of kindness toward others, you know what happens? They're reflecting Christ clearly. When you and I are showing kindness to others who don't deserve it, think about the kindness of God. That's what this is about, right? It's about God showing kindness. It's about God demonstrating kindness. It's about God manifesting his kindness toward us that turns us to repentance, that makes us turn from our sin. That's what God does for us. He turns us. So when we are kind to others, you know what we're doing? We're pointing them to the Savior, our kindness toward them can show a light to lead them to Jesus so they can turn from their sin. Again, and here's why this is so important, church. Why does kindness matter? Because in a culture that is believing lies about Christianity, that is believing lies about Christians, hear me now, kindness is an unmatched and undeniable defense of the faith. Did you hear that? You see, in our culture, there are lies that are being told about the church. And let me just encourage you, if you're one of those that are spreading those lies, stop doing it. Don't jump on the, on the pandering bandwagons of those that are haters of the gospel. Don't join in the party of being an accuser of the brethren. That's a work of Satan. Hello now. I know we don't want to hear that. Because we want to be all about whatever we want to be about. But here's what we need to know. Is that we're not called to condemn our brothers and sisters. Call them out when they're sinful for sure. Call them to the carpet when they're sinful for sure. But be careful when you are jumping on the bandwagon of the accuser of the brethren. 
when you're tearing down the body of Christ. But here's what happens when we're kind. You know what happens? What happens is you're shutting the mouths of all of those that are talking smack. Because you, you know what? I can't change what everybody thinks. I can't change what every person who writes about the church says. Never are all of, listen, all of us in this room online right now, we are not going to be able to do that. But you know what we can do? We can live our lives and we can change one mind at a time. Where when people think about Christianity, they're not thinking about whatever they've been told or even what they may have experienced. Because can I tell you something? Let's pause for a moment now. Let's keep it real. We're not always kind, are we? We're not always gracious, are we? We're, we're not always merciful. We're not always those things. And so what we have here is we have to understand, listen, when we live for the glory of God, I just finished praise the name of Jesus. I just finished a 3,000 word paper that I had to write on the culture, on apologetics and culture. And you know, apologetics, I'm taking that course because I want to be a defender of the faith. But here is the thing that the, the one thing that I realized is how important it is apologetics is what? It is def- it's giving an answer. It's defending what you believe. You want to know something? The problem with many of us and many people in the church, here's the issue. The issue is we're so concerned with head knowledge. We're so concerned with convincing people of what doctrine is. We're not worried about living out the love of God the way we're supposed to. We're not concerned with caring for people the way that we should. Therefore, we fall into this category and we become, you know what? Easy targets for the lies and the propaganda. Church, kindness matters. My third point, and this is where I've been dying to get to. (sighs) Say this with me. Say kindness can produce hope. hope. Kindness can produce hope. I I don't know about you, but man, we we, we are in a time that we need some hope, do we not? We are in a time that we need hope in this nation. Not not, not false hope, real hope. I, I, I want you to hear me when I say this. We don't need functional saviors. We need real hope. What do I mean? We don't need politicians that blah, 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 blah. No, 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 no. That's false hope. Come on now. Y'all too quiet in here. That's false hope. (laughs) Charlemagne to God, right? He was talking to someone. He said, what have you done for me lately? Come on now. He's talking to politicians, is he not? They're a false hope. We need to... You need to embrace that. We don't need that. Policies. Listen, we need, we need to change some policies. Are you here? Yes. Like, y'all got loud about that. <laughs> but there's no guarantee that that's going to happen. Right? We are going to pray that it happens. Right? And we, should, and we should strive to see it happen. But those things are functional saviors. We need real hope. Listen, we have hope we want. If some people want a vaccine, some of y'all are like, I ain't taking no vaccine, but here's the deal. <laughs> Bottom line is, that's again, functional savior. Like that's going to that's gonna save you from death. Listen, you could go get a vaccine, drive out, get killed. Come on now. You know, it's, it's like somebody being healthy and, and, and all this stuff. They go to the doctor, find out they have cancer. That's why I just eat whatever I want. Hello. Glory to God. I'm just kidding. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm going to die anyway. Glory to God. Let me die happy. Amen. Functional saviors, <laughs> functional saviors, y'all. We, we, we don't get hope from those things. We need real hope. And that hope only comes from Jesus Christ. That hope only comes from a great, great savior. Now listen, 
I want you to turn with me, and I have a couple of scriptures that I want to go to because I want you to realize where this hope is at. And I said this earlier, but some of you might have missed this online. I know that you guys didn't miss it in here because I was crystal clear. But I want, I want to make it a little bit more clear that there is no justification. There is no excuse for what that officer did to Mr. Floyd. None. Let me back up a couple of weeks because Ahmaud Aubrey. And I don't know where anybody stands on that. Everybody agrees that this was an atrocity, what happened to George Floyd. Ahmaud Aubrey, listen, I'm going to tell you something. I was just talking to my brothers in the room back there. If it was two of us against one guy and we really wanted to take him down, you know what we would have done? We wouldn't need no guns. Come on now. Listen, I assure you, my brother Lou sitting back there doing, doing sound, him and I, we could take down probably any guy, any guy, any guy, maybe. Maybe not The Rock. I don't know, you know, something like that. <laughs> let me not get, let, 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 me, let me not, okay, let, let me fix that right quick, okay? Me and Lou could take down every, any average guy, or maybe a little bit above average, right? But you got a giant, right? Like, you know, The Rock, he's like six something, and he's a, anyway. I'm going to just leave that there. We, we could hurt him, though. That's for sure, Lou. I, I believe we could hurt him. We may not beat him. We could hurt him. Anyway, he may hear that and come and show up, and we're going to be in trouble. Anyway, we'll need the rest of the guys. But let me tell you something. Two dudes with shotguns? Stupid. Why would you go out there like that? You're not police. Former, yeah, whatever. But here's the thing. Dumb. Foolish. Results in a, in a person, again, dead for no reason. We should be outraged about that, should we not? Yes. We, the church, let me say this, not the white church, not the Spanish church, not the black church. Let me help y'all understand something. For too long, we've been a white church, we've been a black church, we've been a Spanish church, we need to be the church. The church needs to be about that. The church, the body of Christ needs to come together and say, listen, man, we for sure, I am a Puerto Rican. You may be African-American. You may be black. You may be white. You may, whatever. You have that heritage. I'm not questioning that. But when we come to Jesus, we are the body of Christ. And we need to be together outraged about this stuff. We need to be together and be a voice when we see things. Listen, I, I am so saddened about George Floyd's situation. And I am equally saddened to see the foolishness that people are doing in his name. Listen, I'm, I'm going to say something and listen, for y'all online, whatever, you know, and, and, for, and, and for those of you that are in this room, I don't know where you're going to land on this, but here's what I said. I was in the office and I said, I could completely understand if people were outside in front of the police station throwing rocks and they were upset. I'm not telling anybody to do that. Hello. I could fully understand that. I could fully understand somebody saying, man, we've been quiet. We've been crying out. And listen, I, 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 I need you to understand something. There is a history in this nation and you cannot deny the suffering of black people in this nation. You can't get around that. Now, that does not mean that people are, are racist today and that every situation is like that. I can't even tell you for sure that the guy that killed George Floyd is a racist. I can't say that. But what you and I have to understand is that there is real suffering that has occurred. And there are some real injustices that have happened. And those scars don't just go away. That is why the church has to rise up as a voice. And so I get the outrage and I understand. And listen, I would understand if they were out there picketing the, the, the police station and throwing rocks and all that kind of stuff. But man, to go and burn down a target, 
to go and mess up a mall. To, I mean, you're, you're hurting people. You're hurting your community. You're not helping anybody. Listen, we have to recognize this stuff. What's wrong, man? That is injustice. That is, listen, that is wrong. Praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord that this officer was arrested. Praise the Lord that he's charged. Personally, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to side with Brandon Tatum and Judge Napolitano. Homeboy needs to get first degree murder, not third. That's going to be my opinion because I think that there's enough evidence for that. Nonetheless, praise the Lord, he's arrested. Praise the Lord that he is charged with murder at some level. And you know what? We pray for God's justice. But here's why the church becomes so important in this moment. Turn your Bibles, if you're with me, to the book of Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul, he gives us these words. And he says, therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, listen to this, you who were once far off have been made, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. I want you to hear this because this becomes so important for you to grasp why the church is the hope. Because this is what the gospel is about. For he himself is our peace. He himself is our peace, who has made both one. Now, let me pause, because what Paul is talking about here is two groups of people, and one of them was bigoted, and one of them was racist, and the other one was bigoted, and the other one was racist. It was the Jews and the Gentiles, because the Jewish people, they thought they're the chosen people of God. And they thought they were better than everybody else because God chose Abraham way back in the day, not realizing Abraham didn't deserve to be chosen in the first place. God was kind and he showed them kindness. But you know what happens when one group is bigoted and one group feels better than you and superior? You know what you become? You become bigoted against them. That's what you do. Listen, I can talk about this because I'm Hispanic and we are the most prejudiced people on planet earth. We don't like each other, man. Puerto Ricans don't like Dominicans. Dominicans don't like Cubans. And nobody likes any. We don't, we're messed up, man. We can't even get along like that. Anyway, Paul makes it clear. He makes the two one. Because Jesus is our peace. And has broken down, look at this, the middle wall of separation. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandments. See, that enmity, let me pause. That enmity is that enemy, that, that separation, that animosity. Jesus took that on the cross. That's church. That's why the church is the answer. Because we have the gospel. 
He goes on to say, that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances as to create in himself one new man. Did you hear that? One new man from the two. Listen, I am tired. Let me, let, let, let me put it to you like this. One of the main reasons why I started this church was because I wasn't happy just being in, in a Spanish church. Because I understood we were in a nation where there was more than Spanish people. Praise God for churches that serve those who don't speak English and all that kind of stuff. I get that. But man, when we speak the common language, we should be worshiping together. And man, I, man, I, man, I am so grateful. Listen, I am grateful when I look in this congregation. Because it's, it's only a few of us today. But I have white people, I have black people, I have Spanish people in this place. Praise the Lord that what I prayed for, that the reason why I started was so we could be the church. We could be the body of Christ. We could be that example in this world. Listen, you want to see healing in this nation? Church, it takes you. It takes you, for those that are online that are watching, it takes you to say, man, I'm not going to allow Sunday to be the most divided day of the year. Not in my church. Come on now. We cannot be satisfied with where we have been up until this point. That's the reason this nation is in the way that it is. It's in the condition that it's in. Because nobody's willing to step across the line and say, man, we need to worship together. Except for you in this room. Amen. And there's a few others, but not very many. If we keep it 100, we know it's not, it's not true. But Paul goes on to say this. He said that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came, and listen to this, and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. It's not done there. Go back to the book of 2 Corinthians. Paul makes it clear that he wants us to be one, that Jesus died to make us one. And remember, he's writing to those who were outside. The gospel is the hope, church. That's what we need to be preaching. What does Paul go on and say? He says this in chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to begin reading in verse 12. He says this, he says, for we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf that you may have an answer to those who boast in appearance and not in heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. So if I'm crazy, it's for God, right? <laughs> Some of y'all think I'm crazy today. I'm over here anyway. Or if we are of sound mind, it's for you. But look what Paul goes on to say. For the love of Christ compels us. What compels you? What moves you? Does the love of Christ compel you? Is that what's moving you to kindness? Because kindness is supposed to bring some kind of hope. Because we judge thus, listen to this, that if one died for all, then all died. If one died for all, then all died. Listen, I just said it right now. We all have heritages. We all have a background where we came from, and we cannot deny that. But let me tell you something that the Bible says. The Bible says that if one died, then all died. I told you the story, right, about my daughter Alexis. One day, I don't know, she was like five, six years old or something like that. Someone told her she was Puerto Rican. She was like, nope, I'm a Christian. 
How about that? How about if that's how we lived our lives? Now listen, now listen to me, please, please, please. Because I, I do not want to dismiss the pain and the agony and just ignore. Because what we can do is we can say, well, we're Christian, and so don't worry about the past. No, that's not what I'm saying. Because that doesn't erase the past. <clears throat> that means we don't live in the past. That means we rectify things. That means that we address situations. That means that we align, right? That's, that's what that means, right? That means that we deal with stuff that's real and that's happening in our day. Again, I am saddened about George Floyd's death. That is the most heartbreaking, gut-wrenching thing I've ever seen in my life and will mark me forever. But here's what I do know is that I praise God not only that the officer was arrested, but I praise God that many, many more voices rose up this time to speak up. That many more voices rose up to speak up against the injustices that have happened and the situations that are occurring and have called out. I mean, look, if you look, if you look at that officer, listen, can I, t can I tell you something? When you see the system is broke, that, that was not officer's first offense. If someone would have addressed him, that would have never happened either. So whether he was kind or not, if justice would have prevailed in the past, we wouldn't have seen that either. So we got work to do, do we not? Verse 15, and he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet we, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has, now listen, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. Did you hear that? We are ambassadors for Christ. We are his representatives in this earth. That is what we are. And we have been given this ministry of reconciliation. We have been called to let others know Jesus died for your sin. Jesus died for my sin. Jesus, listen to me, church. Jesus died for the sins of this nation, past, present, and those that are going to happen. Because guess what? This moment isn't going to fix everything. Listen, we can fix all of, this, all of the injustices in this world. And can I tell you something? People are still going to be sinful. People are still going to be sinful. They're still going to be unkind. They're still going to be harsh. They're still going to be insensitive. He continues on and he says, as though God... We're pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to him. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We then, as workers together with him, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Let that sink in. You can receive the grace of God in vain. 
In other words, you can receive the grace of God and forget, I'm no longer supposed to look at someone based on the flesh. I'm no, I'm no longer supposed to see people through prejudice and judgmental eyes. I'm, I'm supposed to love my brothers and my sisters. I'm supposed to mourn with those who mourn. I'm supposed to weep with those who weep. I'm supposed to be rejoicing with those who rejoice. I'm supposed to stand with those that are hurting. I'm supposed to stand up for those who can't stand up for themselves. That's what that means. Don't receive the grace of God in vain. You've been reconciled to God. Be a minister of reconciliation. Listen, you can, I, I, I want to say this. We, can't, we cannot be reconciled to one another if we don't ever talk about pain. If we, if we just expect people to just get over it, you know, build a bridge. No, hold on a second. It ain't like that. We need to be ministers of reconciliation. We need to be able to go and engage people where they are. That's what we say every week, right? We engage people where they are, building faith in Christ. Are you engaging the broken right now? Are you engaging those that are hurt? Are you engaging those that, I mean, are you engaging or are you disengaging? And I'm going to wrap this up. He says this, in an acceptable time, I have heard you. And in the day of salvation, I have helped you. And look what he says, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now is the day of salvation. Church, the hope for our nation is in us. The hope for our nation is in our willingness to get down, to get dirty and say, God, I want to do this your way. God, I want to be used by you for your glory. God, I want to see healing in this land. God, I want, I want to see those things that only you can do. That, that's what this means, to be ministers of reconciliation. See, here's the thing, and I'm about to say some things that are going to offend some of you, and that's okay. I'm sure I've offended some already. But as our culture continues to devolve, that's what's happening right now. We're seeing a devolution of culture. That, that's what's happening. We're seeing our culture devolve. We're seeing things that should have never happened, right? We're seeing, and I'm not just talking about this week. I'm talking about throughout the, I mean, you can, you watch, look at history, and you'll see we're, we're, not, we're not rising up. Hello. Knowledge is rising. Morality is declining. And when morality declines, that's when you see the decline, the devolution of culture. And so what we have right in this particular moment, and I'm not going to say this because here's the problem with us, man. The problem with us, again, we don't walk in anybody else's shoes. And so here's what I know. When we look at the situation with George Floyd, and we look at the situation with Ahmaud Aubrey, when we look at those situations, you know what happens? What happens is we look at it from our own lens, do we not? We see it from where we sit. You know what I heard when, when I heard police officers getting up there, Brandon Tatum, former police officer, I saw other police officers that were up there. They were condemning. You know police officers don't condemn each other. Come on now. But they crossed that blue line, did they? And they said, man, what this guy did was wrong. There was four cops there. It took four of y'all and a guy in handcuffs. Now, listen, I watched the video, y'all. It's pretty terrible. I'm not talking about the one where he was on the floor for eight minutes. I'm talking about the one from when they got him out of his car and they handcuffed him and they sat him down by the wall. And yeah, he, and yeah, he resisted and, you know, he was trying to like move away and he didn't want to get into, into the cop car and all that stuff. Homeboy was in handcuffs the whole time. Again, if me and Lou could take an average guy, him and I, four cops and a guy in handcuffs, come on. That's crazy. In that moment, you know what we saw? This is what we saw. We saw brutality in the name of law enforcement. That's a devolution of culture. And what I want to say is that's not the first time that that's ever happened. It's one of the first times we've seen it so graphically in front of our eyes. 
You know, we see, we, we continue to see, now we're seeing with these protests, right? Again, I'm telling you, I'm not telling anyone to do this. I can understand throwing rocks. I can understand throwing bricks. I can understand doing all of that kind of stuff in front of a police station. Getting, I, I could get it. But no, we're going to retaliate. We're going to destroy property. We're going to destroy livelihood. We're going to do all of that in the name of what? Protest? That's not the way we're supposed to do that. That's not how that's, that, that's supposed to happen. It's sinful. I Listen, I get the outrage. I get it. I Listen, I completely, I feel that pain. But man, there's got to be direct, you know, it's kind of like when you're learning to discipline your kids, right? You can't just go and just whoop them. I know back in the day you could. Come on now. I experienced some of that. <laughs> but you can't just whoop your child and just into, into next week, right? Like you got equal, you know, repercussions for behavior, right? Like that's what's supposed to happen anyway. I don't want to get into all the parenting thing right now. But here's another one, and this is where I may offend some of you, and I may lose you. But you know what we've done for a long time now, and this is one of the most racist things in our nation, and we don't even talk about this. We accept murder as birth control. Where's the outrage, my friends? Because I'm going to stand with you. I'm going to stand with you that what happened to George Floyd, what happened to Ahmaud Aubrey, those things are unjust. You're going to stand with me when I condemn abortion? Because whether we know our history or not, I mean, we talk about teaching history, right? Man, Margaret Sanger, go ahead and look her up. Look at her racist behind. Come on now. Planned Parenthood, where you come from? It came from that. Where are they positioned? In black neighborhoods. Why? But we accept that stuff. And I'm going to rub you all the wrong way again. But here's the thing. In the name of marriage, we accept immorality, do we not? Here's my point. My point is we cannot accept sin on any level. We cannot accept sin on any level as normative. Church, Jesus died on the cross because God was outraged over sin. Jesus demonstrated an outrage over sin, and we need to be outraged over all sin, not some, all sin. <laughs> We're going to pray now. I have no closing question for you. I just hope that we can pray and we can come before the Lord. And join the rest of the body of Christ as we pray. And for those of you that are online watching us, I encourage you, join me now as I pray. Join me now as we cry out to the Lord together. If you want to kneel, you can kneel. If you want to stand, you can stand. Whatever, whatever, whatever. I'm not going to tell you to be comfortable, but whatever position works for you, let's do that. Father, we come before you right now. And we acknowledge that you are a holy, holy God. We acknowledge that you are on your throne. And so we bow to you. Father, forgive us for picking and choosing what sins to be outraged about. Forgive us for not embracing the outrage that you showed on the cross against sin. Forgive us for not seeing sin through that filter. 
Lord, may this moment be one that we begin to call sin, sin. That we begin to call evil, evil. May this be a moment, not only that we recognize sin, but God, that we also recognize what you will and what you desire. Forgive us, Lord God, for not embracing the gospel as the true hope for this world. Forgive us for allowing Sunday mornings to be the most segregated day of the week. Forgive us, my God, for allowing the sins of our past to continue to haunt us in the present. Father, we are in desperate, desperate need of an awakening. And as I read, my God, in in one of the chapters of a book that I was reading, Lord, before a real awakening can occur, a rude awakening must happen. Father, this is that moment. And so, Lord, we pray to you today for justice in this land. We pray to you today that you would bring deliverance, that you would bring healing to this nation. God, but we know that what precedes that is a church that cries out in repentance, a church that doesn't just give lip service in a prayer moment, but Lord lives for the glory of God. Lord, from this day forward, help us. Help us to break down those barriers. Help us to break down those walls that separate us. Father, raise up a church. That's my prayer. Raise up a church that would truly carry the banner of the cross. Raise up a church that would truly be about the Father's business. Raise up a church that wants to see the power of God change our community, change our culture, and change even our homes and our neighborhoods, God. Father, liberate us from racist roots. Liberate us from biases in our own hearts that we may not even recognize, God. Father, and I pray that you would not allow people to take this moment and give it to the enemy. Father, I pray in this moment, God, for our president, who, Lord, he hasn't been helpful in this time. He's definitely not been kind with his words, he's definitely not been gracious. And I pray for him, God, that you would give him a repentant heart. That you would help him to recognize where he is adding fuel instead of leading us faithfully in this moment. God, liberate him. I know he has godly people around him. I know he has people that are there. Lord, I don't know if they're opening their mouths in this moment, but Lord, may they. Lord, no matter what it costs them, May they call him to the carpet. And may he listen. May he listen. 
Lord, I've seen him call this nation to prayer. I've seen him do good things. And so, Lord, I, I just know in this moment he needs more grace. He needs more wisdom, God. He needs repentance, Lord. God, you can heal this land. And so we cry out, God, do the great work that only you can. Father, we pray today for the black community right now. Father, there is pain there that many of us don't know. There are wounds there that many of us will never understand. And so in this moment, as they grieve, God, may you bring true comfort. May you bring true peace. And may you bring justice where there has been injustice. May this be a moment, God, where our politicians, where our policymakers really look at institutions and make rectification, God. Father, we pray for Floyd's family, Mr. Floyd's family. We pray for Ahmaud Arbery's family. Or we lift up these families to you. God, comfort them in this moment. God, give them peace. And may you bring justice to those situations, God. Father, we thank you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. We pray that this service encouraged you and built your faith in Christ as well as called you to action. Please be sure to connect with us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe so you can stay connected and be informed of when we post new content. If there's any way we can pray for you or serve you, or if you would like more information on a relationship with Christ, email us at bishop at corefaithchurch.org. Make sure to IM us on Facebook or DM us on Instagram.